On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Billy and I get into opening day. It is finally here. What are we excited about? We're excited about a lot of things. How about things like stolen bases and batting averages? The new rules are in place. What do we expect those will play out to be uh, this year? And some really young, exciting players got opportunities. They have made opening day rosters. Get ready for what is going to be a great 23 season. Get ready for the Loud Outs Podcast. It starts now. Welcome into another edition of the Loud Outs podcast and perhaps the most exciting one for us as we get you ready now for opening day. It is here. It is finally here. It was an amazing offseason. Lots of big moves. Of course, lots of rule changes. We know we've already got a taste of those in spring training. It was an amazing WBC. You and I have mentioned this multiple times now, Spilly. This may be the most excited we are for a regular season to get started, at least as since we've been broadcasting uh, that I can remember. Uh, it is going to be an awesome 2023. And finally, Spilly, it is here. It is here. It, and what's cool about opening day this year, it's every team is playing on Thursday. So every every team plays today. Uh, and it's the first time this has happened since 1968. Wow. I don't know why it, why they got away from it, but the fact that just like the, the final game of the season where everybody plays at the same time, I love that opening day is is on the same day for everybody. And it goes back to a thought that I've had for years, and I'm sure you have too. It should be a national holiday. Mm. Like opening day of baseball, if it's every Thursday of every year, if it's March 30th of, of every year, or whatever the Thursday is, like like Thanksgiving is, make it a day off. Make it a national holiday. Like that way you can get uh, businesses and and people to go and attend because we know how many people go and watch these games. I mean, every game is usually a sellout. Yeah. Every restaurant and and bar is usually sold out. So it's a huge money maker. And you know who doesn't love to generate revenue for people? Yeah, and memories galore, right? Behind me, if you're watching this or you see the video, I have uh, a ticket stub from 1986 going to opening day in Yankee Stadium when I was in seventh grade. Uh, for $8.25, skipping school uh, with my dad. We did that multiple times uh, growing up, and it's they're unbelievable memories. And opening day, listen, baseball, going to games in general, creates great memories for you and your family, but there is something extra special about opening day. I love it all. I love the flyovers. I love the big flags. We try to have the biggest flag in the league in Texas. We'll see how we measure up this year, but it's always a blast, man. <laughs> all of that goes on. You know, listen, the announcements of the entire roster and even everybody else behind the scenes, like I love all of it. And it's really cool as a player the first time you get to experience it and then to be able to do it multiple times. I had one year when I broke camp with the Tigers. I actually got to experience three opening days. We had two on the road and then hours. Like, keep giving it to me because it's fun. I mean, you appreciate it a little bit more as you get older. But all of that matters. And there are going to be some great memories tomorrow for families, for kids and their parents. All of it, man. Uh, I'm thrilled about that part of it as well. Go out and enjoy it. Since it's not a, not a national holiday, you can get the Loud House excuse letter that we will gladly handwrite for oh, yeah. you uh, to skip school or to skip work. See if your boss will accept it. Probably not. Nothing official about it. But we're willing to do it if we think it'll help. Well, and here's here's one little thing to look for an Easter egg for fans. When you, when you go to opening day, um, you talk about the importance of, of an opening day roster for players. It's emotional. I mean, we, you will see, especially when it, when it's on television, you will see a major league player with tears in their eyes. Hmm. All, all, every, every team during opening day, all 15 games that are going on, there's at least one player that will get emotional. And you're going to say, what? 
and, and the reason why they, it comes from a, a you know a, a bunch of different reasons. One, it could be somebody's really proud that they made their first opening day roster, and it's like it's overwhelming. Another could be that they've gone through a, a lot of things off the field: injury, uh, loss, you know, some sort of going through independent baseball, coming back. I mean, just a journey, tears in their eyes. Could also be the last one. Somebody could recognize that this is going to be my last one that I'm going to do this year. Mm. Uh, so I, I've seen this. I can't even tell you. I, I mean, my very first opening day roster that I was a part of was 2008. So I already had close to two years of service time, was never on an opening day roster. And when I made it in 2008, I had tears in my eyes. I, I you know, like I'm there. I, I, I had friends, I had family. We had, I'd already gone to the World Series, but I was like, man, like this is super emotional. I didn't realize getting there was going to be that big of a deal. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's the only day in major league baseball where everybody starts at the same level. Everybody's at a zero to the, the next day, the next day, the next day, people are going to have stats. They're going to have batting average. They're going to have ERAs. They're going to have wins. They're going to have losses. They're going to have all these numbers. Everybody's starting at zero. And so there's also the excitement of, I wonder if I'm going to get a hit today. I wonder if I can still (laughs) hit. Right. So it's, it's super, uh, it's overwhelming to say the least. And, and from my times in from 2008, 9, 10, 11, and then from years as broadcasting since 2008, I've seen, you know, an emotional big leaguer every single year that I've experienced an opening day. Yeah. And now it's going to happen 15 years. It's definitely going to happen. And sometimes we know the story behind it. Sometimes uh, we will not. What about on the field? Now, I mentioned it was a really great offseason. You start looking around the league. I feel like without any scientific research behind it, it feels like there are less teams that are kind of going in on the idea of tanking. I don't know if it's because of the way the CBA has changed. There certainly are some teams that we've been disappointed in. Don't get me wrong. That has not gone away and not contributing and not adding to the roster the way that we feel like they should. And we've given those teams a hard time, but it feels like there's more teams um, that are competitive. And the big moves that came along, we know the San Diego Padres kind of led this offseason along with the New York Mets with the big moves. But thinking about the Philadelphia Phillies as one, the Atlanta Braves with all the contracts and the deals uh, that they have made, now having Sean Murphy the latest to kind of add to the mix of guys that they bring over that they now have control of. They have a really uh, deep roster. We're starting to see the Cleveland Guardians do the same thing right now as the season's getting started, uh, which is really cool to try to keep that group together. Uh, is, there, is there a storyline or a team? I mean, there's so much going on in the American League West uh, coming off that WBC for Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and maybe some of the trash talking going on inside their own clubhouse. But that division runs really deep. Everything that the Rangers did, the Astros are still really good, but there's some question marks there because of some injuries. Lance McCullers Jr. And of course, Jose Altuve not ready to start the season after the big injury that they had. I mean, there are storylines galore around the league we're not going to get into all of them bigger picture we're just excited about uh what is going on in baseball right now this is what we needed we need to get past the cba nonsense and a couple of years ago with the COVID and the shortened season and all of it mm-hmm. i feel like we're free and clear and baseball's timing is fantastic with all of these great storylines around the league yeah i i mean i get to stay with the west because you're right i mean i think the angels are probably the the storyline of storylines for the national public, uh, of course, Yankees and Mets are going to be exciting. Uh, but you, you, when you start discussing the American League West and thinking of the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champ, uh, a team that hasn't you know, been to throne, they've gone to, what was it, six uh, American League Championship Series in the last eight years, or is it five? It's, it's up there. It's been a lot. And you have the Angels with the, with the best player in the world. 
can they get to the postseason? They're now the longest drought in the postseason in in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, Seattle, can they repeat? Can they mm. go back? I mean, like there's and Texas. You know, the fact that Jacob Degrom is getting the opening day start today. Uh, yeah, I know you're pumped for it, and you should be. But <laughs> yeah. but this comes after so many people early in spring training. Oh my God, Degrom is broken again. Mm. And for him to get the opening day start and people are going to see it and maybe he, who knows, I, I don't know what's going to happen with DeGrom, but it's, it's kind of like, Hey, wait a second. I'm the best pitcher on the planet and I'm starting opening day. So like cut it out. So if, if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm, I'm fired up, but I think the drama of the league is going to be paying attention to the angels because if the angels do collapse, which it could happen, mm. I mean, is there a Shohei Otani trade over the course of the year? Is Mike Trout asking for a trade? Yeah. Is there like what is going to happen? That that is, I mean, we know San Diego, we knew, know the New York Mets. There's going to be drama there, but it's not two of the best players in the world on a team that hasn't functioned well enough to get to the postseason. Will there be an entire explosion coming out of out of Anaheim? I Maybe. I think that's that's the story. It could be. I mean, the thing that, you know, they didn't sell the team. That was part of this. We thought possibly this offseason, Artie Moreno put the team up for sale, ends up changing his mind, the idea that he would keep investing in this team and put a contender on the field. They do have a good roster. You can't really give them a hard time about that part. However, they've never gotten close to the luxury tax. Uh, so if you want to complain about something as an Angel fan, that's certainly uh, one place that you can go. I like their pitching. I think it is underrated a little bit on the starting side. We'll see how that plays out. They were very good last year. Added a little bit. Will it be enough? Uh, this year, but I'm in on the San Diego Padres drama as well. Obviously, the storyline there with the stars that they've been able to line up in Xander Bogarts and getting Manny Machado's contract taken care of. That is not a story this year, otherwise it would have been a story all year long. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, all eyes on Fernando Tatis Jr. When he gets back, it'll be April 20th, assuming there's no setbacks from that PED suspension. What does he look like? Can he captivate us once again? What he did the first time around when we saw this kid, free and easy, tremendous talent, knocking on the door of setting a record for most home runs by a shortstop. It didn't happen. Now he's not going to even see shortstop anymore, and he's going to be in the outfield. To me, that is a huge one. Uh, the rotation, we know Blake Snell is going to be their opening day starter uh, today, but what do things look like uh, the rest of the way? By the way, has anybody called him Toe Musgrove yet? I don't know, you know, after Joe Musgrove oh, ended up I, dropping the kettlebell on his toe, looks like he's going to be fine. They push him back to the, you know, a little bit further back in the rotation, but it sounds like he'll be ready. But Toe Musgrove is a, is a pretty good nickname, is it not? It's a really good one, but I don't know if he's going to like it. I mean, I'm not saying it to him. <laughs> no, he's way bigger. He'd probably rip our arms off. So, yeah. no, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Hey, let me let me ask you with some of these new rule changes, and, mm-hmm. and I think in general when, you know, you and I, we don't love predictions, so, so we don't, we don't, we don't love love to do that. We know the pace of the game is going to go up uh, or go down. We know there's probably going to be some adjustments. Well, the pace will I, go I, up. Pace will be quicker, right? Yeah, that's but the what I'm time saying. of like, game will go down. Yeah, time of game is going to go yeah. down. Pace of game is going to go up. But some of the rule changes, no shift, and then the you know bases being about four and a half inches closer. Mm-hmm. John Birdie led Major League Baseball in stolen bases last year. He had 41. I mean, are we getting multiple guys at 40? Are we getting 50 again. Is there a chance we see 60 stolen bases and, and like batting average? How much higher do you think batting average is going to bump up? 
Yeah, a couple of things here. One, I, I think we'll have multiple guys at 40 and pushing for the 40-40 seasons like Ronald Acuna Jr. That's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully we get that storyline in September. I think it's a reality uh, that we could have a couple of guys, Julio Rodriguez, who knows, right? A couple of guys, I think, that certainly are candidates to make it happen. That's always a fun one because it kind of speaks to two different parts of a game that are significant. I think the stolen bases go up, but maybe not as much as Major League Baseball is hoping. I know they want to see more of it because they believe fans. Uh, want to see it. That's one thing. Batting average has been so bad, so historically low. Uh, so the fact that we're making pitchers work a little bit quicker and taking away the shift, uh, I'm going to go as high as 12 points league-wide. I think there's a really good chance. Points? Yeah, I'm going to go 12 points because I think there's a couple of different factors here and the pace for everybody will contribute uh, to it. We're also going to see probably some fun alignments uh, in the outfield. I think every once in a while we're going to see a two-man outfield with the left fielder playing short right field and essentially two standard outfielders are trying to cover both of the gaps. There was a little bit of that in spring training because you can't put an infielder out there, but you can put an outfielder out there. I think we're going to see some teams get a little bit creative, maybe not tip their cap in spring training as much. Um, so that's going to be a fun one to watch. No, I do think we'll see a significant jump. I hope we do in batting average. When you look at the numbers, they're never exact, right? That's the one thing about the shifts. When we look at hits that are taken away and hits that were aided by the shift, but it was about 500 hits, somewhere in there, 480 or so. Again, it can't be, there's an exact number there, but I don't think we can look at it as you know, solid and you can automatically count on that. But there was a significant difference. And when you look at the the hits that were taken away compared to the ones that were eight, it was about 1,800 hits um, that we lost to the shift, but another, you know, 400 or so, 1,400 or so that uh, came via the shift. So because of that, I think we see a significant jump. I see. I think we see a couple of players. Shohei Otani had more hits taken from him uh, by according to one metric than anybody else in baseball via the shift, 29 of them. Corey Seager was right behind him. Um, so I think we're going to see some significant numbers go up. Hopefully we get more guys kind of batting 300. We see the overall batting title numbers come up. I know pitching has had a lot to do with it, um, but I do think we see the numbers go up and it's going to be nice. It was nice in spring training. Quite honestly, I did three games in spring training for the Rangers. Corey Seager hit two balls through the infield, one to the right of the second baseman, one to the left of the second baseman. Yeah, They're I probably saw a lot of those both outs. You know, during the regular season, because your shortstop's playing up the middle on the second base side, and the second baseman's going to be shift more uh, in the hole. And the way that defense had him aligned that day, they were trying to split the difference, and it didn't work out. Uh, I'm excited about that. It's better for the game. More hits, more action, uh, more balls in play. So I know that's a big number. It's a little bit high, but we were so historically low. What was it, 243 last year? Two forty three. So I, I just I just pulled it up the last I, I did looked at the last ten seasons. So 10, 2016, because that's how I like to count. Yeah. Uh was the highest batting average that we've seen in the last 10 seasons. It was, was two fifty five. So if we see a 12 point increase, you know, you're talking about you're talking about right there. You're, you're talking about a two fifty five batting average, which is really good math by you. I, you. I would love to see that. That was kind of a historical number. Uh, 255 was was a league average for basically 12, 11, 12, 16, 17. It was right right in there. Yeah. So dropping down to 243, that whole 12 point drop is is significant. Oof. We also noticed last season, you know, strikeout rates were at 22.4 percent, which was a decrease from the previous two years. But still, like you you want to get into the 21s, 19s, and 20s. Mm. Uh, if he can't, but that, that again, goes to show you, you about the sticky stuff, right? Major league baseball is cracking down even more. That obviously they did a couple of years ago, but now uh, those checks you may have noticed in spring training. If you watch any games, you'll see it here throughout uh, the entire season, but starting today here on opening day is what we saw was a little bit more uh, thorough, a little bit more intimate, if you will, kind of digging into the glove a little bit, not just that kind of quick swipe of the hands and off you go. And this guy is fine. I think some of that had to do with some concerns from the New York Mets last year with Joe Musgrove. Some nonsense wasn't a great look. I thought, 
out for the Mets, but they did what they had to do in that postseason game or felt like they had to do. And so more thorough checks are coming. Will that scare some guys off from trying to cut corners? They still do. Of course they do. It's just the way the game uh, works, regardless of those checks. And maybe that ultimately ends up helping out a little bit on the offensive side. Major League Baseball is pushing hard to get offense uh, back in the game, Spilly. So, there, man, there's all different kinds of ways that I think can contribute, which I'm hoping. I don't have to get anybody out anymore. Uh, we feel like, for the most part, guys are clean with PEDs. It's never That's never going to be 100% either, uh, but we need to get some offense back in this game. So I'm excited about it, man. Um, not only that, and so all the things that we've talked about so far, but these young players. Now, the game has been in good hands over the last couple of years, and we have had some guys really emerge as superstars in this game. I think Julio Rodriguez, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, two of the biggest, of course, uh, Michael Harris as well there in Atlanta. What we saw with, we talked about it with Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, a couple of years ago, he'll be back. But now that next wave is getting uh, their opportunities. We know Corbin Carroll signed the multi-year deal after a little bit of time last year, but we got a couple of rookies that have not seen the field in Anthony Volpe and Jordan Walker and dynamic for a couple of different reasons, the way these guys play the game. But there is something special about what's going on here with Volpe. The idea that you could go into New York Yankee camp and compete to be their shortstop, their opening day shortstop for a 21-year-old kid from New Jersey, went to high school um, with Jack Leiter. Uh, they were teammates. Uh, Jack, of course, in the Rangers system and on his way after being a high first round pick. Uh, and now Anthony Volpe, who actually signed uh, at a high school. Of course, uh, Jack Kleider went to Vanderbilt. So a couple of years later, but kind of a cool story there. But he's he's the Yankees opening day shortstop, a Yankee fan, a Derek Jeter fan. 50 stolen bases for him last year uh, in the minor leagues between him and Jordan Walker. And I know there's others in Corbin Carroll. There's some young, exciting rookies uh, that we look forward to watching this year. Yeah, there's a Colos kid coming out of uh, with the Chicago White Sox yeah. as well. But I, I love that you bring up Anthony Volpe. He's the youngest shortstop to start opening day for the shorts for the Yankees since 1995. And some guy by the name of Derek Jeter was that guy. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, like he, he's connected to Jeet, which is great uh, uh, to me. He's, he doesn't even have to worry about the shadow of Derek Jeter because it's not there for him. It's too young. Uh, you don't ever want to do that to a, to no. a kid. But but for the Yankees to act that way, which clearly to me, if you're if you're the shortstop of the Yankees, it's this is a win now team. So they believe highly in his defensive abilities because that like I could care less about what he does offensively. That's been the biggest issue for the Yankees. And we saw last season in the American League Championship Series is they use three different shortstops in four games. In the ALCS, like think about that. The Yankees in the last series of the season use three different shortstops in a four game series. It's crazy. Mm. So for the Yankees to say Volpe, I'm going to sharpie your name in. You're just going to play. You're probably going to bat ninth, steal some bags, get in front of, of judge, get in front of these guys. Let, let the media uh, ask you a couple questions. And then New York style, we're going to PR, we're going to protect them and just let this kid play. I'm really, really pumped to see what it looks like. Cause I think it's important. It's that next wave. Of, of Yankees that are coming. We see Volpe. Uh, we know this Jason Dominguez kid is, is going to be something special with the power. Uh, and then we've seen this with Oswald Peraza. You know, Peraza, my guess is he's going to be the second baseman at some point if Glaber Torres doesn't figure it out. So that's mm. exciting. And then on the case of Jordan Walker, Walker is a freak athlete. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he, what is he, 6'6? Six, six, he's the fastest guy and, and hits the ball the farthest out of anybody. It's just going to be the swing and miss. And, and in a lineup like the Cardinals, where he's going to be protected by Goldie and, and Nolan, he has to, he doesn't have to hit in the middle. I, I think Fangrass has him hitting eighth. 
So you could put these young, exciting prospects that people are going to want to watch and they're going to become superstars in their own time frame. They get to they get to open opening day and they get protected by a really good lineup. So I am I am so excited to see what these kids can do because that that is where you and I get excited is the next generation of players that we get to watch coming in and making an impact. Yeah, it's been great so far. We've been on a really nice run. We know it doesn't always work out. Kind of on that flip side, I think, with Jared Kelnick, did the spring training that he had, what, was it good enough? Is that going to translate, right? Lots of expectations for him over the last couple of years. Hasn't quite met them yet, but still plenty of time for a really young, exciting player. So we are excited for baseball fans that stuck with the game over these last couple of years. This is going to be your payoff. This 2023 season is going to be unbelievable. Spilly and I will be with you all year long. We'll be here on the podcast. Of course, you can also catch us on Loud Outs on MLB Network Radio, 3 to 6 Eastern Time. There's also a Loud Outs on the weekend, 10 to 1 Eastern Time. That is Kevin Franson and Chris Jimenez. And the reason we do this podcast uh, coming to light, you and I haven't done a show together. We're going to go two weeks now just because of the crazy schedules and the end of spring training. But things will get back to normal pretty soon. I look forward to that because while it's fun to chop it up for 30 minutes or so, uh, the three hours is also a blast. There's going to be so much baseball content this year. Uh, you're not going to want to miss any of it. So make sure you catch us here on the pod, but also check in on MLB Network Radio, where the guys have been killing it all off-season long. All right, Spilly and I had an opportunity to go on the baseball barbacast, uh, which is fun. You talked about predictions a little bit earlier. We did get into some um, with the guys, and we're also talking about the young group of New York Yankees, and they came up with a pretty good nickname. We're wondering about the next nickname for this great group of young uh, Yankees. But Jake Jake Mintz, uh, Jordan Schusterman, of course, uh, run the, the baseball barbacast. Uh, those guys are fantastic. They're entertaining. They did an episode with us. We were fortunate uh, to join them for a little while and talk about this 2023 season. Coming up after this, you're going to get that uh, with Spilly and I joining the Baseball Barbie cast next. Happy opening day, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi. And we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. As two friends who have a collective 18 years of experience driving an IndyCar and one season of experience on Dancing with the Stars, we know what it takes to be successful on and off the track or dance floor. That's why each week we will give you a peek behind the front curtain and tell you what life is really like for professional IndyCar drivers and second place finishers on dancing television shows. Download Off Track with Hinch and Rossi on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Our season preview rolls on. We are very excited to be joined by two members of the SiriusXM Podcast Network family, CJ Nikowski, Ryan Spielborgs of the Loud Outs Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to our podcast. Spilly, my friend, how are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. So we have this scene in Loud Outs. It's a negative war, which is both CJ and I, we've had negative wins. <laughs> Above replacement, but positive vibes. And I mentioned positive vibes because you're wearing a Colorado Springs vibes hat, uh, which is super sweet. So appreciate that. So it's good to see a s'more getting burned alive on top of someone's head. <laughs> uh, yes, I am wearing my toasty, the vibe, uh, Rocky Mountain vibes, RIP uh, hat. Um, it was, it was a nice little run for the vibes. Uh, CJ, welcome to the Barbacast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I was under the impression that there was going to be some kind of food served during this that I misread and misunderstand. I'm sure a lot of people dropped that dad joke on you guys, but, uh, I am one that was, uh, expecting something <laughs> grilled, that is smoked. That is not how Zoom works. Yeah, it's oh, more of a Zoom so. problem than. But you got you could have DoorDash me something to yeah. get me ready for the show. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. That's true. We are terrible hosts. I apologize. So, uh, gentlemen, we wanted to bring you in to join us for uh, for our awards picks at the end of this uh, here season preview podcast. 
Um, this is honestly not something that I am like, I guess I like this more than picking division winners and whatever, because predicting baseball is very stupid, but awards picks is fun because we love talking about players and we like hyping up players. So we figured this would be a good opportunity for you guys as, as former players to help us uh, hype up some players for the 2023 season and have a philosophical conversation about manager of the year. But uh, Jake, I think we should just get right into it. I guess we'll, we'll just do a little rotation here. How do you want to, how do you want to organize this? I think we pick the award. And we all talk about our who our real pick and our dark horse, and then we move on to the next award. That would be my recommendation, Jordan. All right. Should we go league by league or award by award? League by league. All right. League by league it is. We begin in the National League. Yeah, that's right. We're going to start in the National League with the National League most valuable player. Uh, Ryan Spielborg, start us off with your NL MVP pick. By the way, we all came up with these beforehand, so hopefully it doesn't just seem like we're... If we end up stealing each other's, then so be it. We are allowed to share picks. Okay. Uh, I have Ronald Acuna Jr. winning the MVP in the National League. I saw him in winter ball, was was really impressed with what he's doing. He's he's healthy. Last season, he, he still almost stole nearly 30 stolen bases. I think people forgot that. Uh, he legitimately is a 40-40 homer stolen base type guy. I think with the larger bases, I also believe uh, with the Cunha being fully healthy, he's, what is he, 24 years old? He's not even like peak Acuna yet. Uh, so I think this is the season we see peak Acuna fully healthy. Uh, to me, it feels like he's going to win it unanimously. So that's that's him. My dark horse is Juan Soto, but it's not much of a dark horse. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what the qualification was for the dark horse. Is it a guy that nobody's talking about or is it like our second place picks? Let me get, we kind of yeah. get coverage. So we all like, have that's a terrible... <laughs> That's a terrible dark horse. Yes. For me, a dark horse, like when John you pick Birdie. Great. <laughs> the darkest horse. Perfect. Awesome spilling. For me, a dark horse, horse someone who, when you say their name, the three other people go, mm. ooh. Mm. Uh, okay, so you want the darkest of dark horses? No. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> you, you can't. Somewhere in the middle. MVP. Shade of gray, please. But you can't win an MVP without being an everyday player that's in the middle of someone's lineup. I mean, okay, okay fine. Uh, Christian Yelich is going to bounce back and, Great. and come out of nowhere. Back to his Perfect. MVP caliber form. Doesn't yeah. sound like you believe that, but <laughs> Great. No. And also, you guys get a little taste of what I deal with all the time now. I heard, I heard, I thought I heard an XL in there, and this is only twenty minutes of your life. Uh, try five days a week with a podcast on top of it. All right. So in the National League, I'm going to go Trey Turner as my pick. I'm going to take the hot hand coming off the WBC. Um, and the dark horse is a rookie who I'm not picking as my rookie of the year, and that's Corbin Carroll. Oh, oh, interesting. I like that, that he's that MVP, not rookie of the year. That's that's yeah. fun. That's a good well, I mean, he would win it both. My point is that <laughs> sure. he's not going to be my rookie of the year pick going. That's where I'm at. That's that's fine. I love that. Uh, all right. Do you want me to go, Jake? I'll, I'll go. Yeah, go I'll go first here. Um, so to me, the question is uh, a Padre or the field. And I am going to go with Spilly's dark horse, <laughs> Juan Soto, for my pick. I think um, I think he is again. Also, just WBC spring training. Like, there is no way he is going to do like how for how bad quote unquote he looked with the Padres in the second half of last year. I'm not worried. I think he's going to be unbelievable. I also think we shouldn't count out Tatis, but Soto is definitely my pick. And then dark horse again. Maybe maybe Jake, you're going to say, oh, this is nonsense. I'm going to say Pete Alonso who I think was like amazing last season. And because he is a very basic first baseman slugger, like I made the joke that if it was the seventies or eighties, he would have been in the top three because he had a ton of homers and RBIs. Um, but I still like Pete Alonso. I I'm, I'm going to go Pete Alonso as my, as my dark horse. Jake, what you got? 
I was going to take Trey Turner as my favorite, and my dark horse is Fernando Tatis Jr., who maybe that's a silly dark horse, but I think it qualifies because he's not going to play in April. And so to pick him as your MVP, he would need to absolutely set the world on fire and stay healthy for five months. And I just don't think enough people are thinking about Mr. Tatis, which is crazy considering what he was to us in baseball two years ago. Let's move on to the NL Cy Young. Uh, CJ, why don't you start us off here? So I'm going to take the repeat offender. And I know we don't see it very often, but uh, Sandy was pretty fantastic in Miami. It's difficult to do down there. I think part of him with the innings uh, that he brings to the table, uh, I mean, in, what was it, 228, I believe, last year. It didn't seem like a big number. It's a big number these days. And I think he's going to run to that same situation. What works in his favor, I think voters will award that. Uh, so Andy, Andy, no, it's Sandy. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is my pick for the National League Cy Young Award. Although Andy his, would be like a nice like, cousin. Yeah, like when he's out at a bar and he doesn't want people to know who he is. No, I'm I'm Andy. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, no, he can say his last name, so it's fine. He could say Alcantara, Alcantara. He could say whatever you want. Andy Alcantara, <laughs> but works too. Sandy, short for Sandrew, I believe is what his full name is. Um, do you? Uh, so Sandy, Sandy's a great. Yeah, again, the bulk yeah. is just insane with him. Do you have a, a dark horse pick for? Uh, for yeah, so I didn't know we were doing dark horses, that, that's, so that's okay. um, makes it a little more difficult. National League dark horse we, will we can... be Tyler Tyler McGill. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I love that one. I love yeah. that one. I I, yeah. I do also like David Peterson, but you're you're going to need at least one more injury, very possible with the Mets. So yeah. don't rule that out. Uh, Spilly, we <laughs> sent it to you for NL Cy Young. Okay, I I think this is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Um, consistently, I, I think Corbin Burns with his disappearing cut fastballs, he's impossible to square up. I, I I believe where where the Brewers are at defensively, he'll get a bump there too. So I, I just see Corbin Burns as being the best pitcher. I mean, good luck squaring up 97 miles an hour in the last couple feet. It's a, it's like a, it's a total optical illusion. You don't see the last couple feet when you're a hitter. So when the ball moves seven inches, that's why these guys swing and miss so much. It's incredible. He throws punches, punches strikes. Uh, so there, there's that one. I'm going to take Zach Gallon as my dark horse Cy Young uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good I pick. will go next. Mm -hmm. I will take Spencer Strider as my NL Cy Young. He struck out batters at a better clip than any starting pitcher in the history of baseball, except for Garrett Cole in 2019. So, and they tied in terms of K per nine. That seems like a pretty good place to start. And he doesn't really walk that many people. The thing with Strider is, can he do it over 180 innings? That will be the determining factor. If he does it over 160 innings, it still might be good enough to win the Cy Young because that is how baseball works now. As far as a dark horse, I'm going to take Taiwan Walker of the Philadelphia Phillies, who has made some changes to his pitch mix in a way that I think will really benefit him. And he looked outstanding raw stuff wise in the WBC, and he's going to have to throw a lot of innings. And he has thrown a lot of innings over the last two years when he was on the Mets. I will go with Taiwan Walker. I think Corbin Burns is the objectively correct pick, but what I wrote down here was Brandon Woodruff, his teammate who was amazing in the second half, especially. Um, I just think like if he was not on Corbin Burns, the same team, we would be talking about him a lot more uh, and that might ultimately end up hurting him, make it harder for him to win the award. But I just think he's awesome. And also one of the, one of the 10 best uh, pitchers in the league, or certainly in the NL uh, dark horse, maybe not dark horse kind of dumb. Cause he's already won one, but I'll take Blake Snell. 
I think Blake Snell is another one who is so volatile, but it's going to be so important for the Padres this year. I think he could be fantastic and also a free agent at the end of the season. So probably uh, particularly motivated. Let's go to our rookies, rookie of the year. If you um, don't take Corbin yeah. Carroll in this, I think uh. you're asking <laughs> uh. people to look at you. I think that like it is Corbin Carroll <laughs> well, or it is Jordan Walker and yeah, any yeah. other pick as a favorite is objectively incorrect. Um, unless you have inside dope. So I loved how bold you were coming out and saying yeah. Corbin Carroll only. And then you said, or, oh, or George Walker. He caught himself. Except yeah. that just, I want to play it safe just in case Jordan Walker also potentially. Be that, and that's who I took. I took Jordan Walker, uh, man, child among us, uh, excited to see this kid. We love seeing young players that are bringing a dynamic game. And Corbin Carroll certainly is as well. Uh, but Walker looks pretty special. So I'm glad that I fell in the graces of a top two pick. And uh, this means I don't want people to look at me. <laughs> yeah. Spiller, uh, I, I was going to do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ollie Morrill was, was really funny when he uh, told Jordan Walker uh, how he made the team. And then you watch Jordan Walker stand up and give Ollie Marble a hug. And I was like, I, I guess Ollie Marble's gone. <laughs> He's disintegrated. He's so big. I get to go with Corbin Carroll. I've heard about this guy since for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I was getting videos sent to me from, from the Reno Aces. Billy, you got to watch Corbin Carroll. So I've been on the Corbin Carroll bandwagon for a bit. Uh, there's plenty of room. Apparently, there's plenty of room for everybody because he's the favorite. So I'm taking Corbin Carroll. I, I'm sticking with the favorite. Jake, your your feelings have been made clear, but between Carroll and, and Walker, are you leaning one way? Carroll. I, I just feel better about Carroll hitting. I mm-hmm. see a world in which Walker just strikes out a little bit too much and maybe mm-hmm. loses some playing time or get sent back down for a team that is definitely going to be competitive. Whereas Carol's going to play all year unless he completely falls off a cliff. And I just feel better about his bat to ball. Yep. Agreed. I'm with Carol. Although I will take the opportunity to shout out uh, Brandon fought and Gavin stone, who I think will pitch a lot in the big leagues, but more likely Hayden Wesneski with the Cubs who want a spot out of camp and mm. looks absolutely gross. So that's I don't want us I to watch sleep sure. on Francisco well, that's Alvarez. James Altman is is not coming out of right field for any of you guys. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get enough playing time exactly, but you know that's that's not a bad one. Francisco Alvarez is already he's in the minors with Brett Beatty, so I I, I want the guys who are her you know there from the jump. Like I the path to playing time for Alvarez is much harder, correct, than a guy like Beatty. So, um, but yes, uh, all right, let us switch over to let's save manager of the year. We'll do that after. Let's switch over back to the American League AL MVP. Um, CJ, start us off. So I'm going to stay in the American League West. And while I have a tendency to want to say things that don't get me fired with the Texas Rangers, this one might. I'm going to go Julio Rodriguez, another young, exciting player. He's all over the place. I love the marketing that we're seeing with him. And everything about what we talked about last year with him is like looking for this marketable player who's got the big smile. Ken Griffey Jr. style. He's doing it. Major League Baseball is pushing to do it, and he does everything well. I know he made a, a bad defensive play in the WBC, but then he comes back with a big hit, with a great play in the outfield, playing a premier position the way that he does for a team that is expected to contend. And the reality is, I think, for voters, not that they could be swayed, but how much you're seeing a guy or how much he's showing up on highlight reels, I think, does matter uh, to some degree. And I think we're going to see a ton of him this year. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is my guy, uh, my dark horse, so I can help keep my job. Uh, will be Adolis Garcia from the Texas mm. Rangers. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a good one. I mean, his he is uh, he is either could just like fall off a cliff or be even better. I I love Adolis. He's super fun. But not going to complain with Julio picks. Uh, Spilly, who you got? 
I, I mean, it's it's the best player in the world. It's Shohei Otani. Mm. Oh, and yeah. it takes right. it takes something historic to knock him off to to win an MVP. It's exactly what happened last year with Aaron Judge. He had to hit sixty two home runs and and put a top five offensive season together in the history of Major League Baseball just to beat Shohei Otani. I think pitching, hitting, what he's able to do. I think the the way voters look at him now, where it, they marvel at him. He was top four in Cy Young. I mean, he's he's Clearly, he's the best player, and it's not even close. So, um, I have I have Shohei winning the MVP. Uh, if I do have a dark horse in this one, I'd like to go to the Astros. Uh, I, I want to see Alex Bregman uh, with no Altuve, and we know Jordan is going to be hurt. Uh, if Bregman puts up one of those monster years again, I think Bregman can win an MVP. Uh, I will just go next and say you stole my dark horse because Bregman was on there. Although I would say Abreu honestly fits in that discussion as well because I think he could just put up insane numbers in his first year in Houston. Look, Otani's the correct answer, but I'll just take some time and to say Jose Ramirez maybe finally gets it done this year. I think for him to be able to even be remotely good in the second half playing with a broken thumb <laughs> is amazing. And I think he's fully healthy now and he's one of the best players in the world. And if Cleveland runs away with the division again, Listen, he's probably doomed to finish second or fourth for the rest of his career, but I just love Jose, so I'll, I'll, I'll have him be my pick. Spilly made a great point, which is if Otani is healthy and plays the whole year, it, you need something historic to pass him. And there's only like three or four players who could even pull that off. And one of them is Byron Buxton, who if he stays healthy over the course of a 162-game season, could put up something historic enough to top Otani at full blast. Elite defense and center, great value on the bases. He had 28 home runs last year in uh, 92 games. Okay, so he could easily get to 50. If he gets to 50 while playing plus defense and center and steals 15, 20 bags, I mean, yeah. he's probably going to get hurt. We know that that's yeah. what happens. Well, they're going to DH him to start the year, right? I don't know if you guys right. saw that or not. The load management stuff, our first official NBA, yes. or excuse me, NBA style, yeah, MLB player who's getting load right. management, which is unfortunate for the rest of us who enjoy watching him play center. That is true. He is one of the few people on planet Earth who you could see surpassing Otani. And so I'll go with Buxton. Um, okay, so that's that's your real pick. No, no dark horse there. I mean, I guess it qualifies as both, but that's anyone not Otani is, is a dark exactly. horse. I'm sorry. No, I he agree. Does, with that. He have you seen this guy? He pitches and he hits during you understand. <laughs> I, that? I agree with that. Uh good transition. Uh Spilly AL Cy Young. AL Cy Young. Uh this one was you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about this one quite a bit. Um, I want to go Otani for the Cy Young, too. I really, I mean, he was really close last year. I think he's getting better. He's throwing 102 miles an hour. Uh, if he gets 27 starts, I think he gets it because I think he'll be close to 250 punch outs, if not higher. Uh, so I would love, uh, just to shush everybody, is to get an Otani MVP, but then have the Cy Young with it. And that would that would fill out that little box that he filled out when he was 19 years old that would match all of his kind of goals except for winning a World Series. So I'm going Otani Cy Young as well. All right. I am going to be uh, a little bit of a homer here just because that last spring training star looked good opening day coming up and we got Jacob deGrom in Texas and we are so happy uh, to have him there. He looks healthy. He looks strong. It's free and easy. Hundred miles an hour. Uh, consistently from him. It was really unbelievable to watch the other day. It's just, it's, it's, you know, we talk about max effort guys and he's the opposite. Of course, uh, thinking about health, that's the key uh, with him. That's going to be my pick. Uh, a third one for him with Lance Lynn, a former Ranger, as my dark horse. Because you know he's going to give you the innings. Let's see what the numbers look like, perhaps uh, with an improved team there in Chicago. 
That's another one who was really good in the second half after everything went totally off the rails uh, for the White Sox. I was going to pick Otani too, so you kind of stole me on that one. Um, but I'll just go Manoa. I'll go Manoa in Toronto. I think Toronto's going to be nice. an awesome team. And like he's another guy that I think is going to deliver the bulk uh, in every sense of the word <laughs> that uh, most pitchers are not nowadays. So I think he's, I think he's spectacular. So I'll, I'll go with him. Here's a, here's one, uh, Garrett Cole. I'll go with <laughs> still Garrett has never won one. Cole, so, I mean, there you go. Never yeah. won a Cy Young, which feels weird and wrong yeah. and backwards and incorrect. He's not going to give up that many home runs again. He can't the home run. to Maybe he can Jordan. The home <laughs> run to fly ball rate last year was just outrageous. And I just don't see if, if, if he can like trim six home runs off of that, five home runs off of that, he'll be right up at the top. I mean, he threw 200 innings last year. He struck out 11 and a half guys per nine. He's Garrett Cole. Like it's literally Garrett Cole, right? And so I don't find that to be a crazy pick. So I'm gonna go with him. My dark horse is Jeffrey Springs of the Tampa Bay Rays. Nice. Oh, I like that one. Former Ranger. Um, All right, let us do... Uh, let's go to our, uh, our invented award and then we'll wrap with a little bit of manager. We got to do AL rookie of the year, Jordan. Very cool. Oh, AL rookie of the year. I apologize. I'm skipping ahead here. AL rookie of the year. This is another one, as we just mentioned with, uh, Corbin Carroll and Jordan Walker. There's an obvious pick here. Um, Spilly, we'll start with you. Are you taking the obvious pick or are you taking somebody else? <laughs> you know, I take Gunnar Henderson. Uh, no, I'm not going to take Gunnar Henderson. Even though I, I, I love the play drafted him on my fantasy team. So you better do well. Uh, I want to go with Anthony Volpe. I, I want to go Volpe. I, I want to see what I think he's going to get a, a bulk plane with, with the New York Yankees. He might bounce around until he finds it. I think he's going to play every day at second base. It, it just defensively makes sense. And when you play New York, there's bias. So I'm going with the bias of New York. I also think Volpe has a skill set to do it. So I'm going to get Volpe uh, a American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's a pretty good choice. I also have him. That's why I told you it's a pretty good choice. Um, but there's a lot that can go wrong here too, right? I mean, the thing about that position in particular and having a battle the way that they did, I mean, you don't you don't let a kid like that make the team unless you think he's going um, to stick. But if things go wrong, who knows? The possibility of the Yankees doing what's best for him, I think, could be a reality now. He also feels like he's up for the pressure and everything else. But I did pick him as well. And then once again, to make sure that everyone in Texas isn't mad at me, uh, Josh Young is my backup. <laughs> Uh, incredible. <laughs> everyone is either a former or a future ranger. Uh, I will also go with Anthony Volpe as someone who has raised a an Orioles fan, but more importantly, raised a Yankee hater. OK, I wow. was on the Yankees in Little League and made my mom stitch a red X across the Yankees. OK, wow. on my Yankees hat in Little League as a seven year old. Anthony Volpe, for all the cliche is the truth. I am all in. He's a nice young man, as everyone on Twitter is making sure that you know. But more importantly, he balls. And he will not be afraid of the moment, of the scene, of the atmosphere. I have zero qualms about it. This guy is the truth. The Yankees are one of the most conservative organizations in baseball in terms of bringing up young prospects. They still don't trust Estevan Floreal after like 25 years of him trying to get some playing time. And they gave that job to Volpe out of camp. That tells me something. My dark horse, Edward Julian with the Minnesota Twins. Ooh, oh, pick. yeah. That guy's awesome. That is a very uh, good he's gotta, He's got to make the team first. But yeah, I mean, that, he, was, that guy's awesome. He already got sent down. Uh, I just... He got sent down during the WBC. It was funny. 
I know. Someone's going to get hurt. They'll call him up and he's going to hit like 280 with a ton of bombs. I'm not. Hey, real quick. It seems to me that you guys should be in charge with coming up with the great next moniker for this group of young Yankees, right? This whole core four kind of nonsense that went on for years. Now that Volpe and Peraza and then next year, if not before this year, Jason Dominguez, right? It seems like to me, you you know, we struggled here. You're younger. You're more creative. Um, I think this is this is your deal. Good homework The New York writers try to coin their own phrase. I'd love <laughs> it for, for it to be you guys and everyone else follow. The kid stripes. Uh, ooh, interesting. Uh, I, I am like going to go, just because he deserves mention, uh, Masataki Yoshida is going to be awesome. I'm a full believer. I know it's. Mm-hmm. it always feels goofy to have you know some of the former older professionals who have succeeded in other leagues, but if he's eligible, he's eligible, and I think he's going to be great. However, I will also mention Hunter Brown. I know his command is all over the place, but his stuff is insane. And I think he's going to get the opportunity to pitch really well for a really good team. And so I would mention him too. Um, But Gunner's really good. Let's not doubt Gunner Henderson. All right. We should, we know we need to let you guys go. Um, So honestly, we're not even going to bother with manager of the year picks because I think it is the thing that I care the least about at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season. But I will ask you guys this before you guys hop off. As former players who played in a million clubhouses and a million leagues and whatever, like what what are we supposed to do with this award? Like, do you guys care about this award as players? I, I know you have sure certainly have managers that you care about and believe are better than others, but we are constantly, as people who have not spent, you know, years of our lives in major league clubhouses, we don't know who's good and who's not generally. And so what is your take on, on well, this award in it, general and how it, we're supposed one, to assess it? One quick thing, Jordan. The award usually goes to the team with the biggest delta. Right. Yeah. Who did we think was going to be bad? Who turned out to be good? Got to be the manager. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, this is uh, this is the covering the media's butt award, which is like, oh, we didn't realize you're going to be that good, and so here you go. I must have been the manager. I, I've always, I, I've always felt that the manager of the year award is uh, is the most result based on team. Uh, even when the managers win it, they go, listen, I got a great coaching staff, and I happen to have. Players that were healthy over the course of the year. I mean, there's no Newt Rockney speech that's going to get these guys to play at a higher level. Last season, you know, moving on from Girardi to Rob Thompson was was just changing the air and players getting back and healthy. So, like, say what you will. You could even tell me last year. You could say, "Hey, listen, you know, second for the Atlanta Braves, like, amazing job from Brian Snicker. Uh, did you not pay attention when?" Uh, when Money Mike showed up, when Michael Harris showed up, and when Spencer Schrider showed up, like that has to do with the manager. Come on, so I, I I've never liked this award. I think this award is is very biased, and uh, yeah, I mean, I also like it because love- it's not as if these guys are changing their managerial skills year to year on a <laughs> right. Like if Terry Francona wins it in 2019, or I don't know, or whatever, it's not like he's a worse manager three years later or worse three years before, right? They don't fluctuate in the same way that players do. Yeah, and I would say this. So uh, as far as the rookies go, Spilly, my counterpoint to that would be if you're fostering a good environment, it gives those rookies an opportunity to perform and be sure. comfortable. And so I think it does matter to some degree. Uh, Clubhouse, take it for what it's worth. It's hard to quantify it. Uh, but to your example, and thinking about, say, when Gabe Kapler won it two years ago, I right, did a great job with everything that they were doing there and not having a ton of starters and stars and mixing and matching and platooning. And they end up holding off the Dodgers and winning that division. And then, then what happened last year, right? It didn't, that formula didn't work. It didn't have the players. And it's like, well, yeah, Cap deserves a bunch of uh, accolades for getting it done. I thought that was a, a pretty well-placed award. 
Doesn't mean he was terrible last year either. Alex Cora, after they won a World Series and next year, like, so a lot of it does have to do with the roster. So, yeah, I mean, give credit to somebody that has maybe uh, had to deal with some kind of adversity, whether it's major injuries. Think about the Yankees a couple of years ago and still uh, still hanging in there and still are contenders, even if they don't win at all. I know they do this before we get to the postseason anyway. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And more often than not, it is an organizational award because everything else is going on behind the manager. Uh, Spilly, CJ, thank you guys so much for joining us here on Baseball Barbacast. For all of you listeners of our show, make sure you go out and subscribe to Loud Outs. Episodes dropping Monday and then, you know, other times as well. Spilly, CJ, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, fellas. That was fun. We told you that was going to be fun, and it was fun on the Baseball Barbiecast. Make sure you check out their podcast. They welcomed us into the SiriusXM podcast family, which we certainly do appreciate with Jake and Jordan. Every Monday, you'll catch a new episode of Loud Outs. It'll drop. We'll give you the wrap-up from the weekend. It's going to be an amazing couple of days of baseball, and it's going to be an incredible season. We'll be with you all season long right here on the Loud Outs podcast. Serious XM Podcasts.